You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 702 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland coming to you live on a Wednesday into Thursday morning. The Hawks put together a pretty impressive comeback win on this night, and we'll talk about that um, for the most part on the podcast. But um, to start things off, there is a Jabari Parker update that I wanted to pass along to you as we often do the news. First on the show, uh, Jabari, actually Wednesday's game was the 10th consecutive game that Parker was absent for. Originally, he was given a, given a two-week timetable for reevaluation by the Hawks, and that reevaluation did happen earlier this week. On Tuesday, the Hawks announced that Parker has been cleared to progress to the next step of his rehab, which is a good thing, obviously, but um, he's still not that close to returning. Uh, there will be controlled movement and gradual reloading of his, of his rotator cuff along the way um, with that, but uh, another two weeks at least before he's reexamined again. And that would be uh, early February. From that point forward, the Hawks have five more games after that before the All-Star break. But uh, it seems like Parker's going to miss at least, obviously, two more weeks, maybe even longer than that. So we'll keep an eye on that, on that situation as it progresses. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out, um, non, non-on-court stuff at this point, is uh, Evan Turner did a pretty interesting interview with Chris Kirchner of The Athletic. Earlier this week, it's definitely worth a read in full. I'm not going to give any, any any or all that stuff away, but it doesn't seem like Evan's going to be super eager to accept a big haircut on a buyout. That's kind of the takeaway that I had with that in terms of the actual basketball stuff with that. I do appreciate his candor, though, and good stuff from Chris to get him to open up a little bit along the way, but I don't think he's going to be on the team, honestly, beyond the deadline. If he's still on the roster, there'll probably be a buyout of some sort to have him hit for agency, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, go, 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 I would say uh, rec- I would recommend going and uh, reading that in full because it was pretty entertaining and pretty revealing from Evan Turner. Okay, uh, to the game itself. And plenty to get to here about the about the contest. Um, you know, coming into the game, there was some injury intrigue on both sides, lots and lots of it, honestly. Even before the uh, final word broke, because the Clippers were on a back to back in this spot. So uh, as a look behind the curtain, that is that means they don't have to release their in, their injury report until 1 p.m. On, on game day. So there was a lot of uh, cloak and dagger stuff when it came to the Clippers' status, and then on the Hawks' side. Alex Lynn actually played in this game after missing the last four, and we'll talk about him later on. But then Trey Young was added to the injury report midday with a thigh contusion, and then later on he was ruled out. So, you know, the Hawks operating without Trey Young, granted they're at home, but still, you know, a, a rough spot in terms of just the perception of that without Trey Young and the offensive firepower that he has and how bad the Hawks have been without him this season for the most part. Um, also, Deandre Bembry was out for the Hawks, which just weakens the depth even further for Atlanta. Um, they, and the Hawks changed the starting lineup to go with a little bit bigger unit. They actually started Bruno Fernando and went with two bigs against um, against the Clippers in this spot, which was kind of interesting to me because the Hawks played small even against Detroit over the weekend. And that they, of course, have Donnie Drummond, who's a little bit more of a uh, interior presence than anyone on the Clippers roster. But obviously ended up working out, I guess, in the big picture, even though the first half of this game was pretty ugly. But um, the big news, I, I would suppose, aside from Trey Young's injury, which is obviously the big news, the Clippers were without Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Patrick Beverly in this game. Um, no, no huge surprises, I would say. You know, with all respect to people that were upset about them not playing, that had tickets, I totally understand that because if you pay big money and thinking you're going to see Kawhi and Paul George and then you end up not seeing them, that would be unfortunate. 
but it wasn't too shocking. Kawhi's not played a back-to-back all year long, and he played on Tuesday, so he was basically never going to play in this spot. Paul George has missed the last two-plus weeks with a, with a uh, injury of his own, so no big surprise there. And Beverly actually got hurt during Tuesday's game. So no like full rest stuff when it came to the Clippers, aside from Kawhi just kind of being managed in the way that he has been for quite some time now. But with that said, the, the spread was kind of all over the place as well for this contest. Um, at the end of the day, with Trey out and all those guys out, the Hawks were still underdogs in this game. Um, they probably were going to be underdogs even with Trey, but it would have been a little bit closer still, uh, you know, just some, for some context there. And sort of big picture takeaways um, before we dive in deep to the podcast, as we uh, always do on the game. You know, the Hawks were down 21 in this spot, and then uh, kind of fighting, fighting an uphill battle for the vast majority of this game, came back and did it. Obviously, the Brandon Goodwin explosion will be a big topic of conversation on the podcast, and then the Clippers sort of overall futility and the fact that it was kind of a schedule loss for LA. We talked a lot about the schedule this year for the Hawks and how many rough, rough, rough spots the Hawks have had. This is the first time I can remember this season that the Hawks actually benefited from the other team having a rough spot in terms of the schedule because the Clippers had a long flight after a competitive game in Dallas. They went shorthanded and I think you saw in the second half of this game they just had no legs and that allowed the Hawks to fully capitalize on what transpired here. So with that said, we'll get into the game in a second, but I do want to take a second to tell you about the good folks at Calm. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of the mental fitness routine, and he says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the more valuable things that you can do for your body and your mind. If you head to Calm.com slash locked on NBA right now. You got a 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron and using Calm with a 40% discount to annual membership using um, the URL of calm.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on NBA. That's calm.com slash locked on NBA. All right, to so the game itself now. Um, starting at the top of this contest, and things were a little bit ugly here for Atlanta. I will say they actually started this game off pretty well, which people have, I think, kind of forgotten because it was such a long time ago in sort of the game terms. But the Hawks actually opened this game with an 11-4 run uh, and led by seven. Um, there was a timeout call by the Clippers within the first minute of this contest, and it basically really favored the Hawks for uh, at least the first few minutes of this game. But after that, it was basically all Clippers for a while. It was a 26-1 to not a misprint there. It was a 26-1 to run by the Clippers after the Hawks opened up to a seven-point lead. And, uh, you know, sort of in a blink of an eye. I mean, it, it kind of took longer than you might have thought because the, the offense was, was just excruciating to watch for the Hawks during, during this run. But it was suddenly 30-12 to in favor of the Clippers. The Hawks didn't have a field goal for more than seven minutes. That is a long, long time to go without a field goal. And didn't even have a single point for almost six minutes. The only time in there was a split free throw um, situation by DeAndre Hunter. So, Finally, Alex Lund, Alex Lund gets a dunk with about a minute to go in the first quarter, but for a long, long time there, the Hawks just could not score, and the Clippers took advantage of it, taking an 18-point lead. The Hawks were down 16 at the end of the first quarter, and it, felt, it actually felt worse than that. They shot 6-25 from the floor in the first, and uh, yeah, given the positive start, that was kind of just how bad it was for the rest of the quarter. Eventually, they trailed by as many as 21 in the second quarter, um, trailed by 20 early on. The Hawks did have a nice 8-0 run to get down to 12, but then from that point forward, it was basically the Clippers just kind of chipping away at things all the way until the settle, until sort of set the settle point at, tw- at 19 at the half. Um, the Hawks only took 12 threes before halftime. That was a very low number compared to where they normally are. They were 1 of 12, which probably made it a little bit worse. 
But uh, just without Trey Young to kind of break down the defense, they definitely struggled to get off threes. And I know Lloyd Pierce likes to attempt threes at a high level, and uh, they did not do that in the first half of this game. And they shot 33% from the floor as well. John Collins was kind of the only bright spot offensively with 17 points out of 41 for the Hawks before halftime and only 14 minutes of play. Alex Lynn did play pretty decently, but other than that, there wasn't too much in the, in the way of positive to take away from the first half of play. The Hawks did play 11 guys, including the, including Travion Graham before halftime. Bembry was out, which kind of explains why Graham would have been in the game. But, uh, yeah, just one of those things where they kind of emptied the cupboard in terms of available options. Charlie Brown was the only one that did not play for the Hawks in this spot. And uh, going, going, to the second, going to the second half, they're down 19. It looks to be pretty uphill, I would say. Obviously, the Clippers are not at full strength, so they're a little bit more susceptible to a comeback, kind of, that kind of thing there. But still, the Hawks were a massive underdog at the halftime break. But you know, in, in short order, the Hawks actually made it pretty competitive in the third quarter to sort of open the door for what transpired later on. It was a 12-1 run by the Hawks to open the third quarter. Cutting the lead down to eight points in a hurry. The Clippers only had three points in the first six minutes or so of the third quarter. That kind of opened the door in itself. The defense was better for the Hawks, I thought, uh, legitimately. I will say they got some help from the Clippers missing shots um, along the way, but the defense was, was much improved. Lloyd Pierce said after the game multiple times that you know the, the first, half effort, first half effort was basically unacceptable and almost across the board. The second half was much better than that. That kind of backs up with the way that we saw that coming out of the gate defensively in the third quarter. Uh, uh, the Clippers did respond, though, scoring Six, scoring six points in a row at one point to get the lead back up to 14. Um, and at that point, there were some struggles going on on the perimeter, in particular with DeAndre Hunter, who was 2 of 12 from the floor. Jeff T was 0 of 6 from the floor at that point. It was pretty ugly at times on the perimeter. Um, but from there, nice little back-to-back -back run when it comes to the Hawks closing a 14-6 run at the, end of the, at the end of the third quarter, led by John Collins. In fact, Collins hit a, hit a pair of threes. He had 25 points in the first 23 minutes of play that he had and three steals along the way as well. The Hawks bludgeoned the Clippers on the offensive glass the entire game, but that was especially true in the second half, and especially in the third quarter. They had eight offensive rebounds in the third quarter, um, overcoming some poor shooting with six threes and eight offensive rebounds. That's a pretty good recipe to start closing the gap because the Hawks didn't shoot the ball great really any point in this spot, but defensively, they were fantastic in the third quarter, holding the Clippers to 5-19 shooting, one of, one of eight from three, and uh, that combination and allow them to get the lead down to single digits. In the fourth quarter, um, they hung around for the most part. Didn't make didn't make a ton of hay for a while. Um, there was a tip-in from John Collins after a Brandon Goodwin miss on a layup. And the uh, call, uh, that, that, that kind of brought the lead down to six. It kind of made it seem a little bit more functional. It was 10 again at one point by L.A., but um, from that point forward, it was kind of a slow bleed in Atlanta's direction. A couple of free throws from John Collins get down to eight, and then Brennan Goodwin sort of took over the game. Uh, Goodwin and Collins at one point, uh, the two combined for 17 consecutive points for the Hawks. Uh, Goodwin had 11 points on his own in his first seven minutes of action in the fourth quarter. He had uh, even more beyond that. Uh, it was the Brennan Goodwin quarter, to be sure. It was, you know, Collins was better for the full game, but uh, in terms of the Brennan Goodwin game connotations, I kind of already assigned that to the earlier game this year against the Magic one. The Hawks won without Trey Young, and Brennan Goodwin went crazy. Um, Goodwin was even better in this fourth quarter than he was in that game. He was fantastic in the fourth quarter and was the biggest reason why the Hawks were able to get the comeback win, even if Collins was the better overall factor in the spot. Still, uh, Goodwin hits a three, had the Hawks go down by four at 90-86, um, and, you know, still kind of just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. They finally took the lead with about four minutes to go-ish, um, and that was uh, pretty impressive in a lot of ways to even make that even a comeback to get all the way back and do that. Um, Goodwin missed a three at the three-minute mark, but actually Landry Chapman ran through him. I would say it was a pretty terrible foul. That was kind of the one thing I want to circle there. At about the 322 mark, 
Um, Goldman makes all three free throws, and suddenly the Hawks are up, are, by, are up by five points after all that. And Goldman had 17 points in the first nine minutes of the of the fourth quarter. Just a massive swing. It was 55-31 in the fourth, sorry, the second half at that point in time. And, um, you know, the Hawks just led the rest of the way. Um, you know, after a timeout, Rodney Magruder misses an open three for the Clippers. That was a huge miss, I thought, in the game. Um, the Hawks did have an empty, an empty trip there, which allowed the Clippers to get back within three. Um, but still, they never they never uh, never trailed after that because the Hawks got a stop when Lou Williams missed uh, when Lou, Lou Williams missed an eight shot when they're actually down by three points. And then I would argue maybe the biggest shot of the game was uh, after that miss. Goodwin drives to the drives to the rim. Lou Williams leaves DeAndre Hunter in the short corner. And, and Hunter, who had struggled the entire game, honestly, knocked down a major three to put the Hawks up by six, 99-93. And considering that the Clippers only scored 95 points, the game was basically over at that point in time. We didn't know that at that at that second, but that was a huge shot from Hunter, who had been brutal in the game. But making that shot and some bad help defense from Lou Williams to kind of open that up. Um, the Hawks then got back-to-back stops, and the Hawks were still by four points with about a minute to go. Um, there was a big potential swing when Hunter missed a bunny that he should have made to kind of seal the game, but then Collins got, Collins got a huge offensive rebound, um, and, and the Hawks called a timeout from there. And after that timeout, Reddish, Reddish went to the rim against Patterson. Um, there was a foul call there, and I will say, you know, trying to be unbiased here, it was a pretty bad call against the Clippers. Now, Doc Rivers challenged and was not overturned. I... I can see why you wouldn't overturn it. I do think it was a bad call, but uh, you know the Hawks were probably going to win the game anyway. They were in the driver's seat to be sure, and uh, the Hawks got that got the benefit of that call. Reddish splits the free throws, um, but from there, the second the one that he misses was, was the second one, which is the one you'd rather miss than the first one, obviously because it's a live ball rebound. And then Cameron Hurd gets the offensive rebound to basically end the game with 28 seconds to go, and then Brandon Goodwin hits a jump shot to actually end the game with about 14 seconds to go. So, a lot of obviously favorable stuff for the Hawks. After halftime, in fact, the second half, I'm going to read some numbers for you now. The Clippers were 12 of 36 from the floor, which is 33%. After halftime, they were 2 of 15 from 3, which is brutal. They were 9 of 20 from the free throw line after halftime. And that's kind of where I get back to where I was before about how this is sort of a schedule loss for the Clippers. They ran out of gas, and those shooting numbers are just brutal. The 11 missed free throws after halftime, you know, most of those were Montrez Harrell, but yeah, just kind of brutal there for the Clippers, and they just, they just couldn't make a shot. The Hawks didn't shoot the ball all that well. They only shot the 30% from the floor after halftime, but they made 10 threes. That was huge. They made 9 to 10 from the free throw line. They had four turnovers, which is a great number for the Hawks, and they had 13, yes, 13 offensive rebounds after halftime. Um, they set a season high pretty comfortably in offensive rebounding in this game with 23 offensive rebounds for the Hawks, a 38% offensive rebound rate, just a massive bludgeoning for, for the for the Hawks against the Clippers. And, you know, the Hawks haven't been terrible in offensive glass this year. It's actually one of their better metrics if you want to go through the four factors. But still, you could not have seen this coming in terms of the Hawks just kind of dominating the effort stats in the way, in the way they did this spot, whether it was Collins, whether it was Fernando. The Hawks just made all kinds of plays around the rim, and that kind of bridged the gap with some bad shooting. In fact, for the game, the Hawks shot 35% from the floor. So if I just told you this, the Hawks, at home even, they shoot 35% from the floor and 31% from three against the Clippers with 15 turnovers. That's probably going to be a loss, more often than not. But when you factor in the free throw shooting, the offensive rebounds, and the fact that the Clippers just couldn't score, and that's how you steal this game. So, you know, on the whole, Atlanta's offensive numbers don't look good. They have 102 offensive rating. That's not going to win too many games this season for the Hawks. But it did in this spot because of the defense and the offensive rebounding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, defensively, they held the Clippers to a 96 offensive rating, and that was with Harrell having 30 points off the bench. Um, granted, again, the Clippers were not full strength. Uh, they, the lineup that they saw in this game, basically the only guy that you would describe as like, the only two guys, I should say, that you would describe as like legitimately 
huge pluses offensively for the Clippers coming into the game would be Lou and Montrez Harrell. I do think Landry Shaman's a good player as well. He was he was pretty decent in this game, but um, there wasn't a whole lot of depth there. You're talking about Harkless and Zubach and Patrick Patterson and Jermichael Green and Derek Walton, who I love, but still uh, Jerome Robinson, Rodney McGruder. Like, no, no one's going to blow you away. They, they, they do have some NBA players, and obviously the Clippers were favored in this game for a reason, but the Hawks took advantage of that. And in the end, it was John Collins and Brandon Goen making all the plays when it mattered. And uh, a nice win, obviously, for the Hawks in this spot. By the way, John Collins, his third 30-point game of the season, his season high in scoring with 33 points. He was fantastic, and we'll come back to him when we get to the individual portion of the podcast. Okay, well, that's it. We'll get more into the that stuff in a second. But um, before we get to that, our second live read on the podcast. So uh, my apologies for the extra um, insert here. But here we go with the uh, good folks at MyBookie. Between the NFL playoffs, the NBA, and college basketball, it's time to get off the sidelines and get on the action with MyBookie. If you're going to bet anywhere this season, the smart thing, go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Are you tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing in the game? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game itself. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra thousand in free money to play with using promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.eg today using promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, and we'll talk about the individual players in this game. Lots of um, mixed results, I would say, in a game like this. It was, you know, all things considered, it was obviously a great win for the Hawks, but I just want to say this now. It was an ugly basketball game for the, for most for most of it. Um, two sort of rock-fighting offenses, some ugly stuff there, but it ended up working out for the Hawks, so that's all that really matters, I guess, at the end of the game, at the, at the end of the day. Um, the Hawks played 11 guys. The number 11 was Damian Jones, only played one minute. He had two fouls, which is probably why he didn't play a little bit more than that, but... Uh, that's kind of all I got on Damian Jones. He didn't play a lot. That's probably for the best when it comes to the Hawks trying to win this game, but worth noting. Trayvon Graham, eight minutes off the bench in the Bembry kind of you know hybrid fifth wing kind of role. Um, one point, three rebounds. He was 0-1 from the floor, 1-2 from the free throw line. Two, two offensive rebounds to contribute in that way. Didn't do a ton else, though, other than just a sort of stat defense that he always brings. Vince Carter, 13 minutes. He didn't shoot it well. 1-6 from the floor, 1-5 from three. It's tough for Vince to make an impact when he doesn't do that, but he did have two assists. The Hawks used uh, some of the ugly minutes in the first half when they couldn't score where they Vince Carter offense. If it's not going well, it doesn't look great, and we'll just kind of leave it there for now. But Vince, you know, highs and lows. It was probably a lower game for Carter. Alex Lynn um, looks bad at a plus-minus. He was minus 21, 7.7 rebounds. I didn't think that was necessarily indicative of the way that Lynn played. I thought he was fine, and he generally helps the Hawks in this spot, but they were better with Bruner on the court in this game. Um, you know, he's still the best player in terms of up centers on the, on, the, on the roster, but Lynn wasn't all the way back. I think he was a little bit better in the first half than he was. He was probably the only guy on the roster that was better in the first half than the second, but alas, there you go on that. Cam Reddish off the bench in this game. I don't know if I love that. I, I do think that I would have probably stay with the small lineup against what the Clippers were starting. And I know they had Zubac, who probably could have bludgeoned um, Collins a little bit on the interior, but the Clippers played a smaller lineup. Obviously, the Hawks probably announced their starters before the Clippers did, which is part of the reason, I would imagine, for this. And you don't want to get, get caught in a situation where you have, you're having to ask Hunter Guard like Harrell. But um, I would have stayed with the smaller lineup. Um, and part of that's because Rush has been playing pretty well recently. He had 10 points, 8 rebounds in this game. Wasn't fantastic offensively. It was 3-9 from the floor, 0-3 from 3. So back to sort of some inefficient ways for Cam. But he made some plays. He got some good defensive um, activity, some good rebounding from Cam. I thought he was okay despite the offensive numbers in this spot. He was pretty solid. And then finally, Brandon Goodwin. Um, Goodwin was scoreless through three, through three quarters in this game. Um, that is 
shocking when I tell you that he had 19 points. 19 in the fourth for Brandon, 6 of, six of 14 from the floor, 3 of 4 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. He was just lights out fantastic in the fourth quarter. Obviously, that's not representative of what he's always going to be, but I've always liked Goodwin. I've been pretty positive about him the entire season. I do think that when Teague is around, you probably will see less of him, as we've already seen, but maybe you could... Maybe Brandon wants to get back in the rotation here. I think Teague's obviously going to play. We'll, we'll talk about him in a second. But uh, maybe you slide Goodwin in there with some more you know, sort of second guard minutes. Maybe not like running the team, but he's obviously a bigger, a little bit bigger of a guard, a little bit more physical, good athlete. Um, and he played just great in the fourth quarter. Like You can't really argue without, obviously. It was good to see him sort of in the battle of Gwinnett against Lou Williams <laughs> get, get the edge there. Norcross versus South Gwinnett. That was fun. But uh, yeah, BG was fantastic. It was the second time this year that he's almost won, the, won them a game by himself. And uh, that's pretty awesome to say for a guy who's on a two-way contract. Um, two starters in this spot. Only one guy I thought had a legitimately above-average game. We'll save him for the end, John Collins. Um, Kevin Herter was up and down, I think. He you know, was on the court for all the positive stuff. He was plus 17. That wasn't all because of him, but he was definitely effective for the most part, despite, despite the ugly shooting. 5 of 14 from the floor, including 3 of 8 on twos. That's not great for what you want from, from Porter. He was 2 of 6 from 3, provided that spacing. 3 assists, 7 rebounds, 12 points. He was okay. I didn't think he was fantastic, but he was okay in this game. Jeff Teague struggled offensively. He was 1 of 7 from the floor. Did have 8, sorry, eight assists and 1 turnover, which is a nice ratio. Um, the shooting will come for Teague, and defensively he wasn't fantastic. And they closed with Goodwin. I think that was probably just playing the hot hand, I have to say, because Goodwin was so good that you just couldn't take him off the floor. That's not like a, a, a shot at Teague, who wasn't great, but he wasn't like unplayable either, despite the uh, 0 for 5 on 2-point shooting. DeAndre Hunter struggled. He was 3 of 16 from the floor. That is really rough. As I said before, he had... Arguably the biggest shot of the game, alongside obviously other ones from you know Goodwin, who was just masterful. But Hunter, being as cold as he was, it was uh, impressive that he was able to sort of step in. It was a wide open shot, but he made it. It was a big one to put, put the Hawks up by six, and then and they never trailed again. So that, that is a big shot. But other than that, he was three of sixteen. That's kind of speaks for itself. He, he kind of trigger happy. I would say it's not necessarily a bad thing that he was aggressive because I do want Hunter to be aggressive um, sort of in the aggregate, but he was not good in this game. Probably did probably just overdid it a little bit. And uh, in the end, probably lucky that the Hawks won this game because he wasn't he wasn't fantastic. And then Bruno Fernando, 19 minutes, 6 points, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. He was very aggressive, very active, I thought, defensively. Good to see for Bruno playing uh, pretty decently in this game. Um, and, and honestly, in the recent past, I think Bruno has been pretty good, and uh, that's very, very helpful. Uh, lastly, on the agenda here, John Collins, 33 points, 16 rebounds, 3 steals, and a block shot for John. He was just honestly awesome most of the night, 17 in the first half and uh, 19 in the second. He was just really good. And there's one of those things where John is good at basketball, not breaking news there, but 33 and 16 speaks for itself. And if you're one of the defensive uh, sort of activity stuff, the way that he closed very strong in the fourth quarter, again, him and Goodwin had 17 straight points. At one point, it was basically those guys were the entire fourth quarter offense. It was those guys. It was one bucket from Cam Reddish and one three from Hunter. I think that, that might have been it in the entire fourth quarter. So um, it was Collins and Goodwin that should be credited with this one. And uh, shouts to them for the way they played in this spot. Um, okay, that'll probably do it for today's podcast. I apologize for the uh, lack of audio quality. I'm in a relatively public place um, without getting too deep into it. Not, not exactly great conditions for me uh, on this fine evening, but alas, here we are. I wanted to get you guys the podcast and uh, wasn't going to skip one when it came to a game that was uh, as interesting and memorable and weird as that one was. So 
there you go on that. Thank you for your patience and uh, execution on that particular one. Um, the Hawks are back in action on Friday night in Oklahoma City. That'll be a fun one against old friend Dennis Schroeder and company. Um, I will hopefully have a podcast after that game. No promises on that. It could be uh, that I wait and combine Friday and Sunday. I'm still on the road and will be uh, sort of out of pocket through the weekend. So I will be, hopefully, as long as my, as long as my travel cooperates back for Sunday's game, on, on time uh, back, back in Atlanta for a home game against the Wizards. So we'll see how that goes. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roll and follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks for, for the latest updates. And I don't, I don't love to be on the road during the season, but unavoidable with a day job life that I'm still leading. So thank you for your patience on that. Please tell a friend, please subscribe to the show, and we'll see everybody next time.